because it goes some grace as we welcome everybody to the bodacious brands podcast here is your co-host tom montgomery along with the thank you preston along with the uh the uh uh honorable uh the good looking the punctual uh and the excellent preston rutherford uh we are two of the we are two of the four co-founders of a brand called Chubby's Shorts, um, and we are going to try to come to you on a regular basis to talk about sweet, sweet brands, how to build brands, uh, brands we like, lessons we learned, mistakes we made on our path to building a tiny shorts empire. Not a tiny shorts empire, but an empire of tiny shorts. Um, and uh, we hope you find value from it. Uh, without further ado, we're going to get into our first topic, which was an interesting article we came across and figured why the hell not record a podcast about it. Uh, it's an article that comes to us from Tom Roach, who is VP of something at Jellyfish out of the UK. Uh, shout out to Tom Roach. We've been a, a, a huge fan of his writing, um, reading it a lot. Um, trying to think about how it applied to Chubby's interesting brands it applies to today um, and really resonated with a lot of his thinking. This particular article is called In a World of Change, What Won't? And really uh, in it, Tom talks about um, how the digital marketing landscape has evolved quite a bit and it's changed. We've got new social media, we've got new tech, we've got uh, VR, we've got AR, we've got AI, we've got everything. Um, Come and change in, um, but in that kind of milieu of change, Tom um, talks about now what won't change, and I think he centers really on well, the human brain is a piece of hardware that has evolved over three hundred million years, and so that's something that's probably not changing at such a rapid pace, um, and thus the way that people receive information, build memory structures. Um, is likely to be very continuous through this whole time period. And so he talks about these kind of seven immutable laws of effective marketing communication. That's kind of the topic that, that is really loose. It's kind of a loose framework um, to give Preston and I some leeway to talk about some of the things we saw at Chubby's, talk about things we're seeing from brands today that we really like. Um, so I'll open it up uh, with a question here, Preston. Um, what did you think was the most kind of interesting thing you read from the article um, concept you came across? Um, and we can open it up for some conversations, some lessons learned, um, some applicability to brands we've built or seen. So have at it. Thank you, Tom. And I think maybe before we jump in, I know this was mentioned a little bit in the intro, but you'll see that we are holding microphones very close to our mouths. And this is simply to represent that we don't know what we're doing, but we hear that podcasting is all the rage and that sound quality is very important. So because we are recording our first podcast, we found whatever microphone we could get our hands on. And then what we also realized is Sometimes we lean back, sometimes we lean forward. And the sound quality would change pretty materially based upon our gyrations. So with that... As we gyrated more, sound quality went down. I think 
That's right. Right? That's right. Increased gyration, decreased sound quality. Decreased sound quality. And we would like that to be a, a, a positive correlation, if at all possible. So with more that, gyration, <laughs> higher sound quality <laughs> is that's our outcome. And we're, as you can see, we're innovators in the space. Um, and as you carry your mic around, now the gyration actually, this is called a sound vortex. As if you can see for all of our, all of the people watching us on video, um, and it really increases the audio quality. Right. Uh, through so why, trial why, would you, why would you wear them when you can no. hold it? Yeah, of course. Well, so, Tom, you asked me a great question, which is which one of these ideas resonated the most? And I think I'd like to start with creativity and the, with the idea being that creativity might not be, or excuse me, maybe the strongest driver of sales and profitability over and above things like targeting or any of these other items. And as we've seen, much of the narrative around creativity, like speed, is you either have it or you don't. And I think one of the things that, maybe a little bit in this article, but broadly, that we are excited about, passionate about, is to change that narrative a bit. That this, as with anything in life, other subscribers to the growth mindset, this is something that can be improved over time. It is in no way fixed or immutable. And because it's so important, it is, as brand builders, incumbent upon us to start to build that understanding so that we don't ever get into a place where we throw our hands up saying, not for us, can't do it, and therefore have to rely on other tactics, for instance, but that it's something that we all can do. And it's not just a nice to have hand wavy thing. It is, again, something that can be improved over time, something that can be measured. And again, one of the most important things, one of those beautiful things that relates to brand building. And it's a little bit of a worry that we have looking back on our <clears throat> own experience. We felt very fortunate that it was something that was very foundational to the way we viewed things, but that for a lot of brands and even for ourselves at times, the value of creativity has somewhat um, diminished in some ways because of how it could be somewhat in conflict or, or less important than optimizing your click-through rate by 12 basis points or something along those lines that seemingly on a relative basis has gotten more attention and maybe relative importance over time. Potentially, and maybe hot take here, much to the demise of, of many a brand, many a marketer, many a digital marketer, many a brand builder out there. So let me just pause there. Those are a few initial thoughts in terms of yeah. one item that I thought was somewhat interesting, and then some of my supporting thoughts in that realm. Well, and I think the um, so. Preston's calling out, so we've, we've got these seven immutable laws of effective communication. And one of them that Tom Roach calls out is creativity. 
the seven, I'll just kind of read through them and, and then we can, and then we can walk through individually. Yes, that would be the first great. is reach. The second is attention. The third is creativity. The fourth is distinctiveness. The fifth is consistency. The sixth is emotion. And the seventh is motivation. And we'll talk to all of these um, as we go, but Preston called out creativity. And, um, and kind of it's interesting because it's in context of distinctiveness and attention of things that are attention grabbing, things that are distinct. But there's also this notion of creativity that is that je ne sais quoi. And I think it's like one of the kind of hardest to measure of them. Um, and the quote that, that Tom Roach calls out is a quote that he himself is quoting Faris Yacoub, a technology strategist, I suppose, that says, good ideas are non-obvious, non-trivial combinations, which is kind of interesting. And it's kind of like the um, maybe stand-up comedy bit of this, like these relatable surprises sort of thing. Um, where it's a kind of delightful way of talking about something or a delightful way of connecting the dots of things that had been passe or every day, but participating in a new way or reframing it or thinking of it in a new way that's surprising and kind of gives you that little spark. Um, but I, I think like the concept of creativity also goes in line with, you know, number six on his list, which is emotion, because when you see something that's really creative, you're oftentimes stricken with an emotion. If there's a really creative, thoughtful joke, you laugh. If there's something that's very creative in the way it kind of tugs at the heartstrings, you feel a certain type of way. Um, and similar to your point, I think like emotion and creativity and marketing, um, a lot of times take the back seat to the almighty dollar um, as people are running their, you know, shopping ads and DPAs and things like this to try and maximize ROAS and platform and sales and these sorts of things. Oftentimes the kind of really um, the, the predominant philosophy that gets reinforced and reinforced and reinforced is show product, talk about features, show price and those sorts of things. And the unfortunate piece is like, that's kind of what works bottom of funnel is if somebody's looking for the best pair of shorts out there and they don't have a brand affiliation using the Chubby's example, then when they are searching for shorts on the internet, they're probably going to go look at features, price, um, how's it look like fashion, things like that. But like at a very product oriented level, which is like, if you're not showing that, then you're not competing. Um, and so the work to be done, that is the more creative, delightful work, they're not going to, you know, that, that's not the moment where they're going to sit down and watch a 30 second or a minute long piece of creative about your business, learn more about why you do what you do, what you care about, have an emotional, heartfelt moment, and then get back to shopping. Um, that's not the time. And in fact, it's like a really low engagement time where they're navigating Facebook and Google, and they're just trying to quickly kind of get their job done as opposed to spend time watching any, anything for that matter. Um, and so it's an interesting di dichotomy of like the room for creativity and emotion is kind of granted by the, the, the this, this audience member being in a mindset to receive those things, one, and then two, um, being in, um, uh, not being that super down the funnel to be in like shopping mode because if they're in shopping mode, they're very likely to be um, triggered by shopping advertising. Um, I think, well, the other thing I was going to say is like, 
um, the channel really matters. Or advertising on Facebook is really fleeting. It's the classic way you're advertising on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, is it's a swipe through. It's like, get to the next piece of content. It's not like I'm sitting there watching a TV show or whatever, as the, as the kind of metaphor used to be. And, you know, now kind of is with connected TV and things like that, where I'm just going to, I'm sitting to watch this for an emotional experience. I'm not, I'm not flipping through. I'm not, I'm not hitting the dial. I'm not changing channels. I'm not doing all this stuff. I'm ready to watch something, whether or not like I'm really loving every ad I get shown, I'm at least more engaged and more committed to the experience. Absolutely. One of the, to your point to somewhat segue or could stay on the emotion idea. One of the, the goats in this realm is a fellow named Lesbian Aid. And we'll probably go into a lot of his stuff over time, but you're talking about emotion and channel. And one of the things that as I was recently reading really stood out was um, emotion versus message, message being something, message being the thing that, that appeals to the rational um, brain that you were sort of talking about. And one of the craziest things that, that just sort of we've learned about over time is this whole 95-5 idea that uh, just to put numbers on the point that you were already making, about 95% of people that you're putting your messages in front of, your communications in front of, are in no way looking to purchase from you at this moment. And then when you think about the reality of that, how interesting it is and, and how enlightening it is that goodness gracious, this product offer urgency creative or package that is my ad unit really is not doing the job to be done in that scenario, uh, but rather the opportunity that we have and how it is objectively supported by real data. This isn't hand wavy stuff to appeal to emotion, knowing that it will appeal much more than that heavy DR unit that you're putting in front of 95% of the folks. And in some ways it's hearkening back to what I'm thinking as it relates to the creative point, which is, how the emotional resonance um, seemingly is, and this is more of a my take, because one of the things that was talked about in the creativity section here in this article is the sea of sameness that exists and how one of the, the components of creativity is differentiating yourself from being different enough from yet related enough from and you, were, and you were mentioning that from the comedy perspective to just be, be, be different and how the, the one thought is how the emotional impact could potentially be deadened or lessened because I mean, we all we're in the men's apparel world have been, and I think we get very heavily targeted by a variety of other men's apparel brands and i think we can all resonate with the idea that as we scroll any social media application we effectively see the same ad the same hook the same message the same cta the same um, unboxing paid ugc there's no semblance that there is so much sameness there and 
that, as I think about it, is maybe one of the things outside of it just being, hey, this is seemingly the thing that works from a conversion perspective, as you as you earlier mentioned, the emotional resonance is, is near zero uh, because that could be any brand putting out that particular piece of content. Yeah. And again, not that this is bad, but I think one of the things that we're calling out is just the general idea that that creative likely works for the 5%. And the opportunity as a brand that we have to explore the space, as it were, around distinctiveness, emotional resonance, creativity, which is something that when made possible, the, the team that you have in place will probably surprise you with the excitement at being able to take some stabs at some of this stuff. Um, and again, none of this stuff changes. I think that's another one of the, the points that at least as a part of my journey has been huge is a little bit of a um, humbling experience of just because we're newfangled digital brand builders uh, and have access to all of this data, we don't necessarily, or I felt I didn't necessarily need to think about these things that don't change because I was kind of coming from the perspective that this is a, a brave new world. We're, we're effectively starting from zero, starting from scratch. None of this old stuff applies. So what I love about this article and breaking these things down into these seven components of reach, attention, creativity, distinctiveness, consistency, emotion, and motivation is that this stuff doesn't change. And these are the things that have been working for centuries. And there's no reason why we can't dive in and learn from them. Yeah. The, um, the creativity one that's really funny is the, um, he <laughs> has this example of the sea of sameness and, um, this is like at a moment in time, so it seems like maybe in the 2018, 2019 timeframe, uh, the, that, that there was, there was a very common end line to, uh, advert to advertisements that were uh, going on at, at the time. And the, the end line was find your X. And so he's got the end line of like, you know, 27 different ads, um, and campaigns, um, where all these like find your beach, find your strong, find your greatness, find your fit, find your epic, find your happy, find your freedom, find your own lane, find your dancing feet. And it's funny because <laughs> I heard it and I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you could see somebody hearing that and being like, yeah, let's let's go with the find your. And I and it's something that's kind of funny because it probably um, sounds good to you because you've heard it so much. And it's, it's interesting, um, to think about like creativity and how to recognize one of the things that I realized as I was kind of reading that is recognizing when you're being, um, in the sea of sameness, because it's funny because none of these people thought they were in the sea of sameness. And similarly to the ads that he shows up above that are like the mobile or no down below that are the mobile phone ads. Um, uh, that are all of these ads that like basically have the same format. And it's just a bunch of creative teams being inspired by each other, which is really funny. And so in that sense, like how to be creative is like an interesting thing. It's like, 
shut yourself out from the world and not get inundated or not get influenced by their ideas. Or if you are like, be really, really cognizant of it. And I thought this was a really funny take uh, of, of things that you could totally see brands veering off towards. And even like, you know, some of the, um, some of the most impressive brands in the world, like Apple, the iPhone X is in this mix of, um, the sea of sameness. It's very funny. It is. And the funny thing is that, I mean, it, it happens. It's so easy to have happen to everyone. If given the feedback loop process that exists for the vast majority of, of creative generation in the DTC landscape is, you know, looking at your competitors, whether it's ads library or, or otherwise, or looking at what's working for you and then doubling down and doing more of it. It's that feedback loop because we're all optimizing on the same dependent variable, seven day last click, one day view, row as, or whatever it might be, that seems to have a powerful impact on just bringing us all to the, whether it be the sameness or least common denominator. And yeah. it can be hard to take that step back and just start, it's a funny take. Start to think like it's like this is what works bottom of funnel. Like if you're selling just like a nameless phone, yeah, it's dark background with like blues and purples and like kind of ethereal motifs. That's gonna sell phones yeah. if they know nothing about your brand. Angular, angular product shot floating, <laughs> floating in the sky. Some version yeah. of a roller the Alice and. Yeah, Mo Aurora Borealis is a really strong theme in the uh, in the phone sales game. <laughs> that is really funny. I wonder. That's like that's a cool. That's a hot take. Um, that it's because no one has a brand that everything looks the same. I guess that's kind of what we're saying. But everyone iterates towards the exact same outcomes, um, even as they're trying to present really cool, awesome, pretty homepages, which is you know again in a world of change, what won't um apparently people really like the ethereal aurora borealis <laughs> motifs yeah the other one that i thought was an interesting call out was reach right like yeah i never at chubby's we like never thought about how many impressions did we serve oh, um but i think a slightly different take on this so he he has a funny note um in this that's from this guy martin weigel apparently who seems like a smart guy um i've never heard of him but um w side note it's kind of funny because we're these like modern digital marketing people who are like it feels like we're finally getting in touch with like the old guard of marketing yep. or like traditional marketing and like the people who've been doing this for a long time and we're like man they're really smart um <laughs> it's part of growing up. But this guy, Martin Weigel, uh, says, your brand's health depends on lots of people who don't know you well, don't think of you very much, and don't buy you often, if at all. Um, and that's a, that's a hot take. It's kind of very much in the Ehrenberg Bass mm -hmm. sort of um, marketing philosophy of um, the way you grow is expanding the customer acquisition, and that's it. The stuff that does that will also increase your loyalty you're talking about getting a person who buys you um, 0.3 times a year to buy you 0.4 times a year. And the way to do that is just all through um, better reach and better expansion. Right. Um, but it's interesting because the, the balance of that is you can buy reach pretty easily. You can go run reach campaigns on whatever platform you care about. 
and clearly that's not um, what a lot of us are doing because I think importantly, like it's one through seven that all have to be present in your marketing, um, uh, not just getting a lot of people to register an impression, whether or not they actually see it. But I thought this was an interesting one. 100%, which is what I think is so applicable to this this moment right now is this sentence here, just the broad idea <clears throat> that with macro headwinds, we aim to still hit or comp top line numbers. And because we're seeing new customer acquisition headwinds or trying to cut spend, we end up potentially over harvesting our existing customer base. And I like how this is said, marketer not believing this and thinking they can grow their brand primarily by driving loyalty from existing heavy customers is like a physicist not believing in gravity. When I hear that, I'm like, holy shit, that was, I was the, well, I was not even a physicist, but it was me not even believing in gravity. <laughs> and well, I think what's funny is like this, this may be where just having really deep data on your customers comes into slight, not necessarily disagreement, but like, like we saw growth at Chubby's by doing things with our retention right. audience. Um, now, like we weren't doing that through advertising, like our, we weren't advertising to our repeat customers, right. but we were thinking about like, okay, how do we drive a better and better repeat rate? Um, and we did have some wins there. We like definitely had some wins that grew repeat rate materially, um, not necessarily through an advertising perspective, but, um, obviously there's massive differences in product experience, um, but also your post-purchase experience and things like that. And I wonder um, if this is where some of the new guard can kind of supplement a bit is we definitely saw profit growth and business growth as we worked on those retention funnels, but it wasn't through like a traditional advertising -y, marketing -y sort of perspective. It was a bit broader. Yeah. yeah. One of the, to that. And one of the things we might just call out maybe as like a, not necessarily disclaimer and or caveat is the, a lot of these folks are speaking <clears throat> about a certain type of brands, whether they're maybe mass brands available mostly through retail, maybe broad general um, CPG brands. So while the whole focus of this conversation is things that won't change, there is the filter that we as brand builders have to run any of this information through. And a perfect example of that is the specific example, Tom, that you just gave, which is, yes, maybe in general, I get it, that reach uh, penetration is another thing that uh, Byron Sharp at Aaron Blue Bass talks a bit about, Les Binet as well. Just getting more customers, in their opinion, is the best way to drive more loyalty. Yes, but then there's the other components as well. Um, and, and, and honestly, maybe part of it is that they aren't operators or what it could be is just that the data that they have, um, and this is maybe to the double-edged sword of the data we have, it allows, maybe it's just harder to get that repeat purchase data. I mean, I guess you might get yeah. it from panel data if you're like a Coke or something like that or a Dove. Um, 
but yeah, maybe maybe a nuance to maybe not taking all of this at face value and just um, these are just some of the interesting themes that we're exploring together. Well, and it's certainly the case that like um, if you're hitting on all of these, the more people that you expose it to, the better, right? Like um, generally, and there's a right. price to pay. But um, the other guy who who had a little bit of a bone to pick with Aaron Brubass, again, only slightly. Like these are all on the margin. Right. This isn't you should only focus on new or only focus on repeat. It's like okay, how much um, and what sorts of things should you be doing? Um, was Jared Schreiber of Breakout Brands. And he has a slightly different take. He's like, yes, generally I agree with Ehrenberg Bass and Byron Sharp. However, in the case, in this particular case, loyalty and retention are really important. And the difference of numerator is numerators looking at, like uh, they have a panel of uh, people who are sending their receipts to them. Um, and so they can track an individual purchaser's behavior over time in a slightly different way. And, and I, I don't know all the data sources for Ehrenberg Bass, but this was a distinction that Schreiber called out in the book. And so I'm just taking him at face value of we're able to see consecutive. And so the, the, the caveat he had is like, yeah, it's not necessarily just all repeat, but if you can get a customer to um, one of the things that they did see associated with breakout brands was that um, disproportionately for those brands, the next opportunity that a customer had to purchase in their category, if they went back to that brand, that's a really good sign. Um, and so in Chubby's world, it would be like the next opportunity they have to buy shorts or swim trunks, they come back to Chubby's. Cool. Um, that's really good. If it's just that they repeat it at some point in time, you know, that's not as, as indicative as the consecutive in-category purchase. Um, so that was interesting and maybe like a good, good signifier of um, building a memory structure there of like, and, and building an affinity structure there of just like the cognitive dissonance of like having bought like twice in a row, such an awesome experience. I'm going to buy the next one. Um, probably you're, you, you know, you're obviously a lot more invested in that business than if you then went to, they bought the chubby spare swim trunks and then they bought, you know, I don't know, a Hurley pair of board shorts or whatever. You know, you can see how like that's just not as reinforcing, um, and so like it makes a ton of sense. Um, but he he had a slightly different take um, based on the data that he pulled, which was from the numerator data set. And so I do think like what data set you're looking at, what sorts of businesses you're looking at, certainly matter. Um, but it's interesting that there's some dissent um, broadly. Um, on the fineries of it. Taking a step back, of course, like if you've got a great message that resonates with lots of people, you're doing something really, really good. That's a, something I just wanted to get your take on and what I think is kind of cool, maybe even just for a prompt for folks listening or a way to think about approaching it is, again, in the creativity section, the Von Restorf, the Von Restorf effect, where uh, when multiple similar things are presented, the one that differs most is more likely to be remembered. So this harkens a bit back to the, the sea of sameness, but just from a visual perspective, uh, getting attention. Um, but a lot of what we talk about here is building these memory structures, which maybe that's a fancy way of just saying getting more people to remember you, having a higher quality memory to where it's there's a higher probability that when they are actually wanting to buy some tiny shorts, they 
automatically think of chubbies. And Ehrenberg Bass talks about it as mental availability. But from the tactics, so then moving back, if you're a marketer and you're thinking to yourself, well, how the heck do I do that? It's, I think, fun to have this be a little bit of a prompt for coming up with some ideas for things that you can do, putting a name on it. My, my VR effect or how's your Von Restorf today team? Let's push ourselves to up the Von Restorf here. But yeah. just sort of thinking about, okay, team, we're going to come up with something here. Let's, let's, just be, let's just be different. And it's so hard when, when you're you know, in that daily grind of eking out um, you know, a slight increase in ROAS, a click-through rate, or, or even you know, contribution as measured on a sort of short-term attribution basis. It's just so fun to be able to kind of step back and think about, not that you can't apply this general idea to what you're doing on the short-term, it's called activation or conversion side, uh, certainly can. I don't know why not. Uh, it's it's kind of like a good yeah. prompt across the board. Um, but being able to really take a step back and think about how this could potentially apply to your brand, I think the ability to really explore the space can start to happen when you are starting to think about okay, let's let's go for that broad reach. You know, let's go far and wide and couple that with maximizing our Van Restorf effect could really lead to some some interesting results. So just trying to think about, um, and maybe that's a little bit of what we do for the last 15 minutes here is start to maybe take some of these ideas and maybe link them to either chubby stories. Um, I don't know what the mistakes we made or just recommendations for how listeners or folks who are um, maybe following some of the stuff that we're doing, how they can maybe tactically or strategically incorporate some of this stuff into their, their day-to-day for driving the most killer 2024 imaginable. LCR. Well, I thought, I thought what was interesting is like the Von Restorf effect um, positing like for memorability, just being different is important. So then like, what's your industry's sea of sameness? Like what's your market's sea of sameness? Um, what's like the common um, thread there um, is an interesting one. Um, and really understanding that just so you can zig while others are zagging is really cool. And something that we probably didn't do as good of a job of at Chubby's as we, as we could have. Um, just be, being really on top of um, um how it's evolving and not just from when we started. Cause I think when we started it, we were a lot, had a lot more focus on that, but like every year, what's the new sea of sameness? What's the new kind of trend du jour? Is it like a really cool one um, that is implementable? The other thing is like the Von Restorf effect might like try to, might orient you towards um, difference for the sake of difference, right? Yep. Like just being insane um <laughs> and just like having something wild um that's just different and not interesting right like not not creatively different not um and so i think the the other note that um tom roach the author calls out is is the von restorf effect won't work it works to get attention it won't work if the object of attention is not relevant or motivating and so i think there is this aspect of 
of creativity isn't just difference. It's this kind of delightful, surprising difference that's also relevant, which is like, again, it's like really hard. Um, but where you, if where you start is I would need to be different from the sea of sameness and I know kind of my customer's needs, you're probably able to iterate in a really interesting way. Um, the other one, like, uh, in this, in this lineup of, of, um, the, the seven principles, you've got attention, creativity, and distinctiveness all in a row. And for my part, like, you know, a little bit hard to digest all the differences among those, particularly attention and distinctiveness, right? Like being distinct grasps attention. So reading through the text is like really important here where the distinctiveness seems like more distinctive assets. Um, that is not, ju not just as this piece of creative have to be, have to stand out and have to grasp attention, but we also need to give them something to build a memory structure around. And that thing needs to be distinctive. So not just the creative, but the golden arches of McDonald's. That's a distinctive asset that now I can associate with this piece of creative. And so it's these kind of assets that, that build memory structures that are the things that build memory structures on top of. And one of the funny things that's like uh, the Ehrenberg Bass um, um, note is like iconography and characters and things like that are like really powerful. Like Tony the Tiger um, is an icon that is a distinctive icon for uh, Frosted Flakes, right? Um, and okay, great. Now you see a tiger, you think Frosted Flakes. Like that's a really great association. Um, and so thinking about your iconography, thinking about what are these assets you're, you're helping people latch onto is, is a really fun exercise. Um, but it's also like, is the, is the mood, is the move that everybody should have a, a little character, a little like mascot, you know, is that, is it, yeah, I, there's the, tactically it's, it's kind of a funny uh, thing to think through. What was prompted in my mind when you started talking about tying to not different for difference differences sake and something we haven't necessarily covered yet in this conversation is motivation and it's this idea that motivation is aided by including something that reinforces what the brand helps you to achieve and then this last sentence, the emotion evoked by a piece of communication and the implicit goal it promises to help people achieve can be quite different things. So the nuance around emotion and then even the applicability to creativity where an essential component here that is important for us not to forget is, you know, this whole idea that what can you achieve? What can the viewer achieve? What can this, whether it be an ideal state of life, how we're making the world better for the viewer, for the person experiencing our stuff. I thought it was kind of cool. And it helps to maybe, I guess all of these things can be viewed as, you know, stabilizing foundations, but this one being maybe one of them uh, as, hey, hey, what are we, what are we putting out there? And does it actually tie to this this idea of what people can achieve here as maybe even maybe even being seen as like a, a usefulness of the creativity, a usefulness of the emotional drive that we've incorporated into a piece of creative. Um, that was something that I thought was kind of interesting yeah. about motivation. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think like I wonder. It seems like there's like two two vectors. There's like the emotional affect, and then the what's this category? What's the job to be done? Sort of affect um, of what you're working on, and um, I wonder if it's like finding the white space across both of those. That's like the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I mean by that is it's easy for us to think about like the jobs to be done sort of white space, mm-hmm. right? So like, how does this fit into your life? I'm going to try and think of a unique way that I can approach the market. Um, and so if I'm selling phones, I'm going to think of a unique way that I'm satisfying a unique need that I'm not seeing elsewhere in the market. Um, but an emotional white space is kind of also an interesting idea um, where in the insurance world, everyone's approaching insurance through the lens of humor. And maybe that's because it's really successful. Like you've got Geico, you've got Progressive, you've got State Farm. There's like, generally the orientation is the emotional response I want is for you to laugh. Um, And that's going to be memorable for you. I wonder if there's like an emotional white space in the really dramatic, and maybe this is because it's insurance. It's like kind of a depressing concept already. Um, And so that's why they stay away from it. But I wonder if there are these notions of emotional white space in a category where it's, yeah, like, your job to be done, particularly in insurance, is like relatively standard. Um, but the way you connect the emotional affect, is there a way to play in that um, in hitting on the different emotion? That's not humor. It's um, nostalgia. It's um, romantic love. It's uh, drama. It's whatever. I wonder. I wonder if that's a concept that um, is useful to find not just the job to be done white space, but the emotional white space in your category. Right. Right. So as we think about these seven, let's call them unchanging principles of effective marketing communication and the general idea that our brain is this unchanging piece of communications hardware. How do we think about how our listeners, our followers, whoever just other brand builders can start to think about, okay, I'm, I'm, I gotta, it's Friday. I'm listening to this <clears throat> on Monday. I'm showing up. I'm finalizing my Q1 plans or I'm thinking about what I'm doing to kick off January. What can I do with this stuff? Yeah. I'll speak through the lens of like how I'm, how I'm currently thinking about it. If I'm running a brand, here are the things that I would be doing, um, which that's the way I'm thinking about it right yep. now is uh, one, I'm doing research on my category, uh, my competition, other people in the category, both in big box and um, online. What are people seeing in the category that I'm in um, broadly? Um, What's the sea of sameness? Is there a sea of sameness? What's the emotional space that people are occupying? Where are people uh, finding a lot of success and where are people uh, faltering? uh, looking at all of the ad creative on um, whatever uh, places I can find on Meta, obviously, and then across the board, like finding the creative that's running, um, checking out all the sites and like starting to build that notion. Um, and then finding these kind of distinctive notes, both from a like visual perspective, from a emotional perspective and from a jobs to be done perspective. Those are kind of like, seems like the three big vectors um, to play around with. Um, and, um, basically drop that off with a creative team or myself and start to write 
treatments for these things and like come up with 50 ideas that hit on this concept um, and 50 more with a creative team um, and start to winnow away at those concepts that hit the most on those, those ideas. And then that are also the most distinct from one another so that you yourself aren't just taking a single shot. You're taking a few different shots at how to kind of escape the sea of sameness. Um, and then get out and record a V1 of these things, start to play around with these concepts in a very like almost like agile product management approach of what's the minimum viable product that hits this note that you can do in a couple of days and get an edit up um, if it's video content or that you can knock out from a graphic design perspective. Um, so how can you start to test these and feather these content pieces out get an early read on limited distribution of which of these concepts are the most powerful and the most distinct and then scale. And if you feel like production value needs to go up on the next rev, whatever, like iterate your product from there, but realizing the product is a campaign that ideally lasts for at least a year or a few months that you can kind of hit and can be that distinctive asset for a long amount of time. So, that's like a quick rundown of how I would do it from like a creative perspective. Um, what about you? What do you think? Well, I think one thing that is, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who's we're recording on December, December one, we just finished black Friday, Cyber Monday. We're probably moving into the end of the year, maybe trying to push, gift cards or whatever it might be once we get closer to Christmas and, and uh, shipping deadlines get harder to hit. And also just thinking about kicking off January with a bang. It's everything you said around the creative side of things. Um, and I think it's also, and this is like a broad theme that we'll continue to talk about, but it's okay. How do I, then once I've taken these shots on goal and I've done it extremely quickly um, in the probably the lowest production value way possible, how do I start to, you know, place and or size investments? Like how, how do we start to think about how we're actually going to translate this to, um, you know, running this media? And, you know, at the very least, the way we can start to think about it is just running this stuff organically, right? I mean, it's especially if you've got a bunch of shots on goal. I think that's one of the benefits of a bunch of shots on goal and coming up to the extent possible as much of uh, with as much of a machine as you possibly can. Where I mean, I think this is just as a quick aside, this is one of the learnings that we took away was you know, production value, at least for us, was in many ways inversely related to the success of, of the piece of content. So in, in a lot of ways, um, some of the notes that we can give are, if you look at this from a complete blank slate and look at what is um, most consistent with the stuff you organically engage with, it doesn't necessarily have to be 50K that you drop with an agency to just explore this idea in very in a big way, it can just be to your point, Tom, just walking out of the, or you don't even have to walk out of the office, just start filming at your desk 
and see if you can explore some of these context, uh, some of these concepts, and then and just try to put it out there and see what happens. Start to learn. That seems like from a tactical perspective, translating it to actual content that you'll put out there, a a great way to start. Uh, and then I think you know rubber meets the road in some ways where. Uh, you start to think about putting dollars behind it, and how you're going to measure the effectiveness of a lot of this stuff, which is which is uh, an area that that we've learned a lot about for sure, and I'm excited to talk about more in the future. But maybe that's part two: is just okay from a creative perspective. I I have some of these pieces. I'm starting to take shots on goal now. Now what? So there's some thoughts there. But this was fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Very fun. Hopefully, uh, any listeners who are listening to this final product. Found some value, Tom Roach. Thanks. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll try and get you uh, on our burgeoning podcast. Um, bring some of your street cred to uh, to this thing. Um, and um, yeah, I, I love the idea of digging into kind of the now what of okay, we've got creative, and how do I tell if it's hitting? How do I tell um, where I should put my dollars? Should I put dollars there, etc.? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great topic. And. And my feeling is, I'll just stop. My feeling is that 